This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribble by Don Vose, and still Vose, he gets past another! Oh, what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season! He has toyed with the defence there, and that is remarkable. The Bull Boys getting involved. Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer, 13 for the season, 14, Wrexham lead, it's Wrexham 1, Chester now, it's McDonough for Wrexham, still Jerry McDonough, it's not coming in, McDonough around the keeper, Wrexham, Wrexham, to the lead leaders, if yesterday was a black Friday, but today is a red Saturday. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Rob Ryan Red. I'm Rich Fay, and this week myself and Naif have been joined by a very special guest, a player that we've wanted to get on the podcast for a long time and a player who played really during the period where myself and Nathan used to go to games the most, a, a player that we were sad to see leave Wrexham but as you'll hear in the in the hour or so ahead, a person who has very fond memories of his time at Wrexham and someone who's got some great stories and yeah it's it's a really good listen even if I do say so myself and Nathan you did the sort of hard gritty work of getting this one sorted and we really did want to hear his side of the story as it were. Yeah, Rich, I, I I was really keen when we first had the conversation about about who we wanted to get on. He was near the top of my list actually. Um, after after we spoke to Adrian, and it's from that time that kind of I always bring it up, like the bingo card, the Brighton away game. But it, it's just a really, I mean, everyone knows by the title who we've got now. But it, it's just really great to get Curtis on. He's got some great stories which you'll hear. Pogba gets a mention, both Paul and Matthias. Glenn Little gets a, a glowing uh, glowing report card. So yeah, lo- loads to tuck in. We do touch on, of course we do, we do touch on the the exit and, and how it came about. And, and we also touch on other, other topics, what he made of Dean, carpooling with Dean Keats, you know, life after after Swansea and, and weather. And he explains this, whether he has had the chance to come back. So, you know, without further ado, we don't want me wittering on or, or Rich. So let's let's get into the episode. 
Curtis, thanks for joining us on the pod latest guest. We spoke as our, in our first episode, actually, our first guest episode with Adrian Chislovich. You know, he'd, he'd followed a similar route to you, actually, come from Man City and then making the move to Wrexham. What do you remember about those that time? It was strange, to be honest. Looking back now, I remember thinking, obviously, when you're at an academy like that and that's all you've known at the time, you just think that's, that is it. Like, that, that is what football is and obviously being there for I think I was there for about 12 years 12 13 years from when I was seven eight years old to 20 and you kind of just think yeah I'm obviously going in the right direction I'm going to sail right through to the first team and then when it kind of doesn't work out the way you thought it would you think well where'd you go from here sort of thing where's next I'm looking back now it's crazy because obviously you're so young at 20 got your whole career ahead of you but back then I was like oh saying to my old man like I think that's me done sort of thing he's like don't be daft and uh obviously then Dean Saunders reached out because he'd known about me. I think he first heard about me through the England, because I was with England at 19. I think he caught wind that, uh, of me that way and uh, called me down to the ground and went and had a look around and seen Colliers and sat down with him and had a chat. And to be honest, I was blown away by the size of the club. I remember even back then, because going from playing in the resis, like under 23s academy football, maybe you get, maybe you get a few hundred people watching few scouts or whatever, but going to Wrexham on a, on a match day, and there was about three and a half, four thousand there. I was looking around, this can't be the Conference League, this. No way. So, literally, I was sold straight away. And, uh, yeah, I made the switch and, and just loved it. What, what did you make of Dean as a personality? You know, there's obviously splits opinion now for, for Wrexham fans, but, I mean, he seems popular with the players that anyone we speak to that, that worked under him. Oh, he was, he was quality, to be honest. He's even now to this day he's one of the, my favourite coaches that I've worked under. He he was he had his methods, don't get me wrong, he was you know, he was a bit of a one. He had his ways around like how we would deal with different players and different things, but he was a football man and he was a winner. And I think he he, he did rub people up the wrong way, but it would have been a case of you you're not doing what he wanted you to do to get a win. Because that's all he that's all he wanted to do. He wanted to, to be a successful manager, he wanted the to be a successful team, he wanted promotion, he wanted this, he wanted that. He wanted us to score the most, concede the less, the least, and I learned a lot from him. I, I think I was, I think I must have only worked with him for about eighteen months. Uh, but I learned so much in terms of the game of football from him. And he's a nice guy, do you know what I mean? He's, he's he has got time for everyone. He'd crack a joke and he'd hold the room well, and he made it very easy every day. Yeah, he's he's good. I got all the time in the world for him. You're talking about reserve team football and and kind of playing a few hundred people. Do you remember that your debut with Wrexham and you know this kind of welcome to men's football? I know as a d- defender, you you, it's it's a wake up call for some people pretty quick. It's it's not the same as as some kind of academy reserve football. Yeah, I can't I can't really remember my my debut to be honest. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I know I remember playing a, a friendly. But we're not counting a friendly. I just think it was pre-season. I can't remember league day, but yeah, what it was definitely a, a big difference. It was almost like a different game. It was the football I'd grown up learning and and playing and even watching to go in and playing uh, in the conference first team men's football at 20 years old. And obviously, I'm not the tallest. Like, so for me again, it was like, yeah, these guys are not here to to mess about. They've got they've got bills to pay. They've got food to put on the table, sort of thing. And it and it did take me a good few months to, you know, kind of switch my game, like adapt my game. And and again, yeah, even in, in that early uh, period, me and Dean, we had a few, we had some some heated uh, words in, in training and in half-times, full-times. And 
But looking back now, I know, like I said previously, he's trying to mould me into what you need to be to play competitively at this level. Would you say that was the like the biggest step up you had in your career? Obviously, we'll get on to the other moves you had later on. But would you say that under twenty three is to like is a sort of proper football? That's the biggest step up you ever you ever had. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, because it it really was like I say it was almost like two separate games. It was two different versions of the game of football. And yeah, over over times you might go to another team or you might go on loan or you do have to change your, your kind of style or how you like to play. But yeah, nothing really compares from going from the 23s to first team men's, whoever it be, League 2, National League, uh, Conference North. It's, it's a big step. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of work with like, the United under 23s and lots of them sort of say that uh, I guess you were that in the EDS. I'm not sure if it was called the EDS at City at the time or if it was still under 23s, but they say it's almost like a bubble when you're in this youth team football, isn't it? And that you're quite sheltered and you're maybe not exposed to the harsh realities of, of football. It is, and it almost doesn't. It almost doesn't matter. Like uh, I know you, you still don't get me wrong. At, at a team like Man City or Man United, you, you, you careful, your coach still wants to win, but it doesn't matter. Again, looking back now, you can see it even more clearly. We had, I think our reserves at City, we had the, one of the best teams in the country and we won a lot of like youth trophies, you know what I mean? But it doesn't it don't matter. And again, when you go into that first team uh, environment, you see something like three points on a Saturday is is like a cup final times 10 to, do you know what I mean? The make-believe academy stuff, it's, it's, it really is night and day. Do you think that when you did eventually leave City, do you think you were prepared or do you think it was quite a sort of reality check that when you left football that this is this is proper football now? This is this is the real world. Yeah, I wouldn't I don't think I don't think so. Not back then. I don't know. It's it might have changed now how because I know City have got great players and there's like three or four different teams per age group now. But back then now it was you went out, you played, you went home. It was it was easier walk in the park or you might lose it and it's just one of them. You go back to the training ground the next day and, but yeah, it's, nah, it was just very different. Those, those kind of, you know, teammates, experienced teammates, because, you know, some of them were very much of that bills to pay, got to give a seven, eight out of 10 every week type of player. And like I say, I was speaking to you before we came on about people like Mark Crichton were talking about how they wanted to to help you and other players. Is there anyone that kind of stood out in those early, in that early period, that first 18 months, that first sort of six months, six, 12 months, where you, they kind of were like, well, I'm next to you, I'm in front of you, we can, we can help you? Because it's not easy to, to kind of adapt on your own. No, I think I remember, uh, remember Gareth Taylor, remember Big Gaz up front. He was, like I say, he was a senior head. He was way experienced at the time. He'd kind of been there and done it. And he was the main one that stands out in my mind from what I remember when I first joined Wrexham. And he was really like, I don't even think he was captain at the time. I can't remember who was uh, who was captain, but he was the one that was kind of rallying the dressing room and kind of letting us know that, listen, this isn't kids football anymore. You need to buckle up, you know, get your head down, get stuck in, win that tackle. It's It, mean, it means everything for you to get second ball. You can't just let someone go and bring it down and pick a pass because that can lead to X, Y and Z. And again, there is times when I remember just looking in and, and listening to him and saying, wow, this guy, he knows his stuff. Because obviously I'm still I'm still learning in a sense and he knows exactly what's going on. So it was it was good to see and it, and it was, I, I, it's interesting to learn. I, even at the time, I remember in times I'd go home after the game and I'd speak to my old man and, you know, say, so yeah, these, these guys, they like, look like they what they're talking about it's good would you say I mean you've mentioned a few times already you say that your old man was is your sort of father figure as well in, in football he's always been the person you've sort of gone to for advice and second opinions yeah that, he's just the football through and through he was a Stratford guy and 
proper United red and home and away and getting into trouble and all that. And yeah, he's kind of the one that just, whether I liked it or not, I was playing football and supporting United. So that's kind of everything in terms of football is, that's where it's all coming from. And even to this day now, we still chat, he'll come around there and watch football and talk about it and go over what we like, what we don't like. So yeah, in terms of football, yeah, he's definitely the, the, the main figure in my family unit. Yeah, look at your Twitter as well. You seem like... You still, we love United still as much as much as when you're growing up. What was it like being a United fan in the City Academy? You know what? It wasn't. I never even. I, it's strange because people have asked me this. When I was at City, I was still as much a United fan as I am now. But I hated playing United. I hated them. You know, once it once it was a Saturday or a Tuesday when we play, I wanted to smash them, I wanted to hurt them, I wanted to win, I wanted to embarrass them. And I don't know what that was. I don't. I honestly can't even explain what that was like. Why I was like that. But I think obviously you play for the pride of who you you play for do you know what I mean that's your that's your team that's your family in a sense but like I say on the day it's business as you know, usual and then as soon as you get home you turn the telly on and you start moaning at United again so it was it was fine it never really it was never never an issue for me ever when you moved from City were you were you in a player's house or did you just commute in from Manchester what was that kind of what did the move actually to Wrexham entail did you actually move to the area uh no no we had um we had a car school uh, when I first came, I can't remember. I know I, I remember travelling with Keatsy and Tolly, but when I first came, I don't think they were. I think I did drive in yeah, for a bit mm. on my own. Obviously, it's not too far Manchester, Wrexham. No, no. with, with Dean, with Dean, obviously he's obviously the gaffer now, Wrexham, and, and comes in for a lot of opinion. What's he like as as a person you know to carpool with? I know those kind of can get be good fun for the players to kind of get to know each other. And... Yeah, he, he's another football football person. He's he's right there to the point. I, you know, he knows what he's talking about and he's another one that knows what he wants. And yeah, he, he knows a lot about the game of football. So even sitting in the car with him for an hour and a half a day, you're learning a lot. And because he is, like I said, he has been there and done it, he's, he's, you don't need to question what he's, you know, the advice that he's giving. If he says you need to be doing this more, you need to be doing that more, I'm going to be like, well, why? I'm like, okay, that makes sense, which is again why he was captain later on in the... The later time when I was at Wrexham, and he was just very, very, very professional. He's just I can't I can't I'm just trying to think. He he just doesn't put a foot wrong like off the pitch. He, he lives he well he lived when he was playing the right way, which is again another reason why he played so late. Do you know what I mean? At a good level as well. So no, yeah, I'd just say very knowledgeable guy and uh, a model professional to be honest. Would you say as well? You know, you've mentioned it there, his sort of leadership and. The, the ways in the dressing room as well. Would you say when you moved to Wrexham, it wasn't only that you were sort of adapting and changing the footballer, but as a person as well? Because like you said, you were in, you were playing for the EDS and you had people similar age around you. The oldest person is going to be about 22, 23 there, aren't they? But but now you're playing with actual veterans who've been through their career. Do you think you've changed, you change as a person in terms of sort of maturity and, and grew up quite quick as well? Yeah, I think you have to. You definitely have to grow up because you'll stand out like I saw for me if you, if you don't. And it really doesn't matter how talented you are because... Even now, today, we see National League teams, they do take players out of in the 23s, whether it be on loan or if someone like myself doesn't get to kick on into the first team, they'll go and slot in in the National League. It seems to be quite a popular transition. Uh, and there is a lot of highly talented players, United City, Liverpool and Everton and whatnot. And if they go to these other clubs and it's not, they don't take on the role of, OK, now you're a young pro like a, a first-team pro, you're not just an academy graduate, you're a, you're a professional footballer now. If you don't grow up, then you will be 
found out and talent alone will not be enough to survive in the National League. No no way, no way. We often talk about the, the size of the Wrexham fan base and obviously we're, we're biased, we're, we're big Wrexham fans, but your memories of playing at the race course, I mean, you know, some of the packed out crowds there and obviously we'll get on to to brighten away and it, the home game and everything like that. But what was it like to play there? Just, you know, kind of you, you got the tour, you saw the facilities. It, it's a huge club, if we do say so, you know. It was it was, it was was ridiculous, to be honest. Because, again, even at the times when I wasn't experienced in conference football, I didn't I didn't know who was the biggest club, who was the smallest club, who was this, who was that. I didn't know because I'd never, I'd never looked at it, to be honest. You know, like I touched on earlier, I just thought Man City... Premiership, blah blah blah, is all the lights. When you when you do go to that level, I remember going after a home game, like say after I've seen the fans at home, which was just unreal. You go to you play away, and there's times when we're making more noise than them, or we've got a similar allocation than what they've got because there's too many. And I just I was looking around thinking, wow, this this is a, this is a huge club, like light years ahead of more than half of the clubs in that league. So it was it was like you felt a special kind of buzz playing for Exum and again on a Saturday at home, three o'clock, coming out of the tunnel, fans are on the feet, singing, scarves throughout, flags are waving and three and a half, four thousand just just playing, you know, it's not a cup final, it's not even the derby, it's not even a chest, it's just a, a game and you think this is what it is all about, this is football. That's what it's all about, and that's what us as well as fans are just missing those games. It doesn't matter who you're playing, just 3 p.m., go there, back the boys, make some noise, as the, as the announcer says at every game. In terms of when you actually left City, then obviously the facilities and the fan base make moving to Wrexham a bit, bit easier. But were there any other offers or any other moves that could have come about before you actually did sign for Wrexham? There was, there was, there was, te- I, again, I can't remember it. Well, remember there was Lee. There was a League Two team at the time that wanted me to go, but it was quite far away. And at the time, I didn't want to move out. And then there was there was a shout for me to go to Celtic in their development uh, situation, but I didn't want to go there. There was Southampton, who's the the, the chairman at the time, actually came to my house and we sat down and we had a chat, but it didn't quite work out because I did want to start playing first team football. And again, that wasn't something I was gonna slot straight into. So again, it was you know when Dean really shown his hand and saying, look, I want you to come and you're just going to start, you're in the team on Saturday if you want, you're starting. And I, and that's when, like, say I sat down with Dad and said, look, just go and, and do what you need to do and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I did. And it's just, it, that was just a really good decision. And I, and I honestly did love playing for that club every minute. I really did. You're listening to the Rob Ryan Red podcast. Now, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this latest episode with Curtis. You can get in touch with us on Twitter via at Rob Ryan Red, and you can email us direct at robryanred at gmail.com. Right, let's get back to the episode. We talk about, you know, one of when we look back now, I mean, we've had some poor seasons, we've had some good ones, but, you know, few better than that 98-point season where just everything, bar the, bar the kind of the closing act really panned out for us. When you look back to that, is is that the best team, the best dressing room you've been a part of in terms of yeah. the, the clubs you've been at? That team was, I think that team was probably the best team I've played for in my career. If you obviously if you take Swansea out of it, they play uh, Premier League yeah. football. But in terms of the League One teams, where I've been, the League Two teams, where I've been, the national teams, where I've been, that team was was a joke, to be honest. That. I just, it was just every Thursday, Friday in training, we would we know we knew we were winning on the Saturday, and it wasn't an an, an arrogance. We weren't while well, you guys were obviously watching. We weren't going out there taking the mick, doing two hundred step overs and and all that. We we just 
knew we were better than everyone, bar Fleetwood, which even Fleetwood was on a 50-50. And that season we we drew and won, so we didn't even we didn't lose to them when we played them. It was just a and it and it got to the stage where we stopped thinking about it. We didn't even think like, oh, who's this? Like who we got here, blah blah blah. Obviously we went over tactics and formations and set pieces. But we were never sat around thinking, oh, these will be, you know, we might, you know, we might lose this. I know we did lose a few games, but confidence throughout the team in every position, goalkeepers, the striker and subs, it was just, it was too much. And it did show on the pitch and you could just, you could tell, you could feel it. Before we maybe get on to some of your former teammates, and I'm sure me and Nate have different questions about different ones. When, while we talk about that Fleetwood rivalry, did you, when you were playing on the pitch, know that Jamie Vardy was too good for the National League? Or is it sort of like hindsight where now we say, well, of course, he's a great player now, so he's too good at the time? Or, or did he really stick out? We knew he was We knew he was scoring a lot. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, nearly every week. Whereas, even though we were scoring as well, ours was kind of shared out a little bit. Yeah. With Mangi and Spatey and uh, a few other players. And what with them, it was like, We'd get in the dressing room after the game, and we would check straight away. And it was yeah, we would one. How many did he score? Sort of thing. And it's like, well, you know. So we we knew he was very good, and we knew he was getting a move. But again, looking in house, we we knew we were very good, and we almost knew that we could kick on and go, whether it be promotion, promotion, promotion. Because something we did always speak about is we 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 thought we were going up. We felt like we deserved to go up and we thought we were good enough to go up and it wouldn't we weren't talking about just one promotion either we wanted to to kick right on and to go league two because obviously in league two it's four four teams go up mm. so I remember saying look if we get into league two what you, you mean to tell me we're not going to make the playoffs of course we're going to make the playoffs we're better than these teams in league two I know we are we get into the playoffs in league two I'm confident that we're going to go into league one then you then you maintain have a few years in league one keep it floating and see where you end up. So, yeah, we knew he was very good, but we knew we were very good as well. I was going to say, because the hit me on the head there, that's how I still see it now. If we get promoted once, there's so many sort of deadwood teams in League 2 that if you just have, yeah. you keep them the, the sort of the core of your squad, add a few extra names to it. And the amount of derbies we'd have as well in, in, in the Northwest in League 2 would be absolutely class. I'm sick of going to Dover and for, I'm not first <laughs> green anymore, but like these London away days just do my head in. I was just thinking like it's it's the consistency that we played with in that season, you know, like the way and even in even in the cup, if, if we if we get onto the FA Cup, you know, we we've said before, Rich, on, on other pods when we had Adrian on, we were saying we just felt like we weren't gonna lose games. Again, right. not like an arrogance thing, but we there wasn't any part of that team how it was constructed, you would say oh, that's a really weak link. And, you know, with all due respect to that player, that's a weak link, the opposition. There was nothing. Defensively, we were solid. You know, obviously, we had, we had a laugh with Joss, but, I mean, he, he he put in a lot of good performances in that team. Yeah. Midfield, I thought we were so, we were rock solid. Yeah. And in attack, like you said, we had Mangs, we had Spade. You know, we could score goals, yeah. which, you know, we've obviously found harder to come by in, in recent years. But that team, it was, you know, running up to towards that Brighton game, I just felt like we... We had so many players consistently playing well yeah. every week, and you must have felt that. In you must have felt the confidence that you knew that give it to whoever, and there was no nobody was like under pressure. No one was yeah. lacking in confidence. It is, and it and it's reassuring as a as a footballer. It, you don't obviously you'd, you'd never like dog out a teammate because it is your teammate. But there is sure. times as a footballer when you you look around and you think, who can I get? Who's gonna win us the game here? Or if you're a defender, like, am I safe next to him? Or even your goalkeeper, are we safe? You know what I mean? If there's a corner, is is this going to get dropped? They're just natural things that you feel as a player on the pitch with 10 other guys. And in that team, 
everywhere you look, yeah, I can give it to Sis and he's going to go, he's faster than their fullback. Uh, if I don't head this, Christ is heading it. If they have a shot, Joss is saving it or even Maxi. Mm. And if someone goes down, the bench, we had a good bench. That's that's something that helps us massively. And some of the young players that were coming in off the bench were, they were able to slot straight in. And again, that's that goes down to, to Dean Saunders. He, he kept everyone so motivated throughout the journey of the season and he did rotate quite well. And I'm sure, I think you did touch on with Sis about his minutes because he was, he was in a yeah. and even though he wasn't happy about it, he was, Dean, he made it. It was never a punishment. It was always tactical. And and all the players bought into that and it was, and it did work really well. We obviously had Dean and then Chis was saying that, you know, and Joss said as well, that when Morel took over, it was very different. Like a, just a completely different type of personality, obviously, much far less experience at that time as a manager. Obviously, he takes us there to, to the Brighton game. What was Morel like? And then if we kind of just throw it forward to, to that FA Cup run, which obviously is still one of the great memories for, for Wrexham fans our age. Yeah, and Morel was just... Because he kind of was one of the lads. And again, I'm sure for some of the other players, and for me, that was the first time that's happened. Like a lot of firsts during that time, it was the first time a teammate has now become your manager. And it was a bit like... Oh, what? Do we call you Gaffer now? Or was like, what? And he was like, come whatever you want. So that was kind of his attitude. It was, it was a lot more easygoing. And he obviously cared as much. It wasn't a, a, a case where he wasn't bothered. He, he was on it, but he was a lot more laid back. And he had a real laugh. He enjoyed doing what he was doing. Probably because he could start himself and bench himself whenever he felt like he was having a life. But he was... <laughs> He was, uh, I don't know, it, it was, uh, I don't know if I would say it was like a bit easier, but it was a little bit more relaxed under under Andy. And again, results didn't dip. It, we cracked on and we carried on and we, we, we continued to do well again. It was it was just installing everyone where we knew what we were. And I think Andy knew that we knew what we were as a unit. So it was just, it was quite seamless. So it was really good, actually. And I was, well, I remember at the time when I was thinking, I hope we don't, I hope this doesn't affect us, you know what I mean? I hope we don't fall away sort of thing. And it didn't, and we just dragged on as we were. I mean, uh, and Nave keeps on mentioning the Brighton game. I guess we'll get onto that in a minute. It's, but... it's one of my favourite away days, Rich. I can't help it. But I, I think the, the Brentford game as well, though, is, is so underrated as a I didn't go to the Brentford game. I, I remember my dad said, look, if we get through to the third round, wherever it is, like if we get a good draw in away game, we'll go wherever. Because I wanted to go to Brentford. Obviously, it was quite London was far for me at that time, and uh, it was second round, and we were like, oh, it probably won't, probably won't work out. So I remember listening in, and then obviously the Tolly, and I was just thinking like, oh please, you know, please. And I, and some of the other lads that have been on various other pods were talking that game up. So I kind of regret. That's one of my regrets not going to the Brentford game. I mean, for you, that FA Cup run, Curtis. Do you think that the way we won that Brentford game, and then and then to get to the third round, and do you remember like watching the draw and like hoping for? Because obviously at that point you could have got one of the big big teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember the the, yeah. well, the Brentford game was just that was a, a bit of a strange experience as well because again they were they were League One at the time, weren't they? So mm, yeah, we were again big underdogs, but. It was still our confidence throughout, and we knew if we if we didn't concede early, we fancied ourselves, and we didn't. Don't get me wrong; they had a lot of the ball. I remember they were hit, they were actually hitting it long on me, but I ended up winning my fair share of feathers. So I think after that, they were a bit like, well, "What are you doing now?" Sort of thing. And then Jamie Tully won it. He's got a bit of that magic in him, and we never we didn't hear the end of that for years. I'm not gonna tell you. In fact, 
he mentioned that to me about a few months ago. We were we were speaking not long ago, and he's like, "Yeah, he's got top bins." <laughs> so yeah, he, he's he's still he's still Jamie Tolly. He's not changed. But um, yeah, after we got through that uh, game, we were thinking, right, we could barely be on something here. And to be honest, even we got championship team. That was we were still buzzing with that with the draw. We while we were actually going to play against the championship team, yeah, proper proper championship, well established team. So buzzing for it, yeah. I guess, like you said, the, the fact that we got on this winning run, even when Mozart took over, we just didn't think we'd got to lose games. And I guess that's what was so good about that game because every Wrexham fan went into it thinking, okay, probabilities we won't get anything, but really wouldn't be surprised if we did. And the way we played against Brighton in both matches as well, we weren't just sitting up shop and saying, we'll hit them on the counter attack. We took the game to them in, in both games. Yeah. And again, like we did go one, win, one nil down, didn't we? One nil down, in a away leg, yeah. And we, uh, yeah, we just. We didn't really, we didn't change our plan, and we did. We, I, I felt like we matched them. First, the first leg was it was tough because it was the first leg was at their patch, mm. and they, had, they did have a bit of the ball, and uh, they had some good players, some very good players. But even in the first leg, we had chances, and we could have won the game. Obviously, they can say the same, but we could have won the game in the first leg. And going one 0 down, and then Sis got us back in it. And I thought, wow, it's just that's what we that's what we're about. We we don't know how to give up. We fancy ourselves against anyone, and they were definitely shocked. They were they were shocked. I, I remember I took a throw in in the first leg again, and uh, Poyet at the time was their manager, wasn't he? Got the ball in his hand and he's trying to keep it away from himself. Kind of gripped it off him, and I just remember his face. And I thought, yeah, you didn't expect this, and I'll never forget that. I just remember thinking, you thought you've got a conference team. You're in the champ. You they were they were doing quite well in the champ as well. They weren't getting relegated, so I think they, I think they definitely underestimated us. But it's just one of them, and it's just the whole the whole day. Though. I mean, we went, we took a good, a good few thousand down there. I remember it just being packed out. I remember they Brighton put on Wrexham Lager in the away, and so it felt like you know we had all the the booze that we wanted on tap. Yeah. And you know when Cheers sort of parted the the blue sea, if you will, rather than the red sea, it was just kind of like, it just. It's like a blur because, like I said to him, it just kind of was like him running in a straight line. I remember he collected the ball from Jamie Tolley because first half it was Luar Luar, I think they had. He was just yeah. like, you know, proper tricky, one of those like classic wingers that, you know, maybe you, you love playing against, maybe they're a nightmare. I haven't played fullback. But yeah, Chiz scored and just the celebration that away end and the pitches that were still got just absolutely mental. Yeah, it was, that's that's what it's about, and it that's the FA Cup for you. That's mm. you can just turn any anything into a just a great journey and a great story. And he, he knew he was gonna score. I don't even know. I don't even know if he remember, I don't know if he uh, remembers that. But he was saying to me, "He's like, I'll score today. I'll score today." <laughs> I remember listening to his podcast, and he didn't mention it, so he must have forgot. But I reminded me. He, he said he was gonna score, and he did. Yeah, he was being too humble, I think. And then yeah. we we go we go back, and I think we're probably saying recently rich that we actually you know the draw had been made then it was we knew that the winner was getting newcastle yeah and maybe yeah, we just well. maybe we were just getting ahead of ourselves and was it away as well newcastle first away year? yeah oh, yeah we, we were thinking like oh we, we must get ahead of ourselves we were like brighton aren't all that we can do these in at home i was thinking we'll, as well we'll do newcastle because newcastle <laughs> yeah. were right near the bottom of the prem as well and they were like <laughs> they were a mess it's like yeah. a few years ago we, when we played newport the winner was going to play leicester yeah and newport knocked out leicester because Claude Puel it's like his final days I just got the sense about Newcastle I just I just felt we were going to do it but yeah, nothing like yeah. the epic when, when Moza scored he was like curls it top bins right? on FIFA you kind of just like finesse it into the top corner oh, that's what I thought yeah. yeah that's what I thought you like finessed it in yeah. front of the in front of the tech end and I just thought it's going to it's going to be our night again isn't it you know what yeah. I mean 
because that game as well, even before we scored, we were on top. We were we were on top that game. We they again they had some of the ball, not 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 all, not a lot. Like it wasn't a battering, was it? But I feel like the chances that we were creating, we could have nicked a couple. And yeah. the atmosphere that night was just unreal. What? How many was there? Like ten. It was. It, I mean, it was. It was close to that. I think. Yeah, I think it was close to that. Could have been postponed because of snow the day before. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I was in high school at the time, which might age you there, Curtis. I'm sorry for that, but like, I remember getting a text from my dad saying like, "We're going tomorrow instead because of the pitch." And but yeah, still everyone turned out for it. Yeah, that was. That was. Was that the? Probably not the most I played against at the time. I think it was a youth cup final with the most, but it was definitely. Unreal atmosphere. Obviously, everyone was full voices, and it was just it looked full because I think they they, they, cut, they sectioned some of it off, aren't they, with the mm. the banners and and whatnot. So it, it just looked full. And I remember coming out of the tunnel thinking, "Wow, this is what it is again. This is what it's all about." I feel like we've got a massive chance here if we start well. If we, if we don't concede, which we didn't, created a few half chances, but then it was sneaking in. Like, oh, it's not going in, is it? Is it gonna go in? And it's always yeah. them. They obviously a very good team. Blah blah blah. But. Like you say, when Mozza got that goal, I thought, wow, we got a big chance here. <laughs> big, big chance. But we kind of, we just dropped off a little bit too much, I thought. But we invited a little bit too much pressure on when we went 1-0 up. But listen, when you go 1-0 up in championship team, 99% of teams are going to try and see the game out. And mm. it's just one of them when they got the equaliser. Oh, come on. But... I remember watching. I remember watching Ashley Barnes and uh, Craig McHale Smith at the time. I think it was, you know, great strike partnership. That really, you think about it. And I remember they did an interview in, in the back of the Wrexham tunnel. We all know that kind of, you go through the tunnel at the back area there, just kind of doing it against the board. And I remember Craig McHale Smith saying, "We sort of, we got away with one here, like over the two legs. We've 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 really got away. Like this isn't what we expected at all. We've we've done them a disservice. Like they're a really good team." I remember watching that and I thought. It's not much consolation. I wanted to go through, but yeah. at least they realised that, that, you know, like you say with the Poyet thing, they didn't really have a clue, I don't think, what they were getting. No, no way. I thought we thought we did deserve it on the day, but, you know, it, what will be will be is some of the decisions. Could we have a penalty? I thought we could have had a couple of penalties, to be honest. But... Hit the bar as well, right at the end, didn't we? Yeah. It was an extra time. Yeah, we hit the bar as well. And then down to pens, and obviously deadly unlucky from uh, from Keats, you know, like, but you put yourself yeah. forward, so you've just got to say fair enough. Because there's a few nervous faces on there. I was one of them. I think I was, I think I was number six or seven, even. I'm not sure, and I just didn't want to take one. <laughs> I wanted it to be one before it got yeah. to me because yeah, it was it was crazy. But what a game! And, and like you say, look, we we give the club uh, an even well, not an even better name, but we give the club the name that it deserves to be known for, which is a, a serious club and a big club, a club that shouldn't be where it is still. It shouldn't have been there then and it shouldn't be there now. So it's, it's close, but it's coming along. I'm sure I'm positive the club will get back to where it needs to be. I'm sure it will. It's too big to stay there. You're listening to the Rob Ryan Red podcast. Now, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this latest episode with Curtis. You can get in touch with us on Twitter via at Rob Ryan Red. And you can email us direct at Rob ryanred at gmail.com right let's get back to the episode i was being watched by derby which no no one even knows <laughs> uh yeah they were watching quite off quite a lot that season because i think that season i think i like joint top assists in the league mm. leading up to that cup uh the cup games so it was i was being watched on the back of the league form and it was just coincidence where brendan's son was playing for brighton so he's come 
I don't even know if he no he did he came home in a way. Uh but yeah, the home leg I had a I obviously had a really good game and he put the wheels in motion almost straight away. I think the following day I contacted my agent uh and kind of started things there. But Dean uh Dean tried to get me uh, uh Doncaster as well at exactly the same time when when I think they were in were they in championship at the time. They were in the champ or league yeah, one at the time. Were. were they champ? What was it? Yeah, yeah. champ, yeah. Yeah, Dean ran me when I was in Tesco and he said, Do you wanna come here? So I can't me I'm going to Canada. <laughs> Did you have a conversation directly with Brendan then? Like, how did it, like, how did it move? So, how did the wheels move so quickly on that? I no, I didn't speak to him. It was just, it was just solely through the agent. Uh, they, they contacted me after the game a couple of days after. Well, my agent contacted me a couple of days after the Brighton game, and um, I think we had Bath the next week, the week after. And, it, and my agent kind of said, "It looks like they want me to go," sort of thing. Well, I was like, "Listen, Premiership team, like, yeah." I do want to go. And then he, he said, we're going to try and get your loan back, which is, again, which is what I wanted to do. Because if I wasn't going to play straight away, I wanted to be on loan. And he says, right, leave it with me, leave it with me. And then agent went away and had the conversations that he had and said, yeah, it's, it's done, it's done. No, sorry, I played Bath first because I, sc- I scored on my last game. You know, I don't know if you remember. I scored yeah, it, yeah. Bottom bin, great ball, great finish. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after that, it was like, yeah, it's coming, it, it's on, so you need to come you need to drive down and, and get it all done. And the day, the day where it, I think it was like a Tuesday or something like that, I was at the, at Collier's ready to train. And then it was Dean Keats. She said, don't train. I was like, why? It's, why? Because I was going to go after training. So don't train. What if you get injured? What if something happens? What, do you know what I mean? And, he, and Dean wouldn't let me train. And then I was like, all right, well, fair enough. I'll have to get a shower and see later sort of thing. So then that was that. Off I went. I mean, you've mentioned that the players were happy for you to be getting this move rather than saying we're going to lose all our best players. They were still happy for you to, to get that chance. Yeah, they were happy. I think they kind of understood it was like it wasn't just going to like a team in the same league or even a league above. Because to be honest, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have even I probably wouldn't have done League One. Like I said, I did I rated the team so highly and obviously the dressing room, the manager, everything like that. I, I didn't want to leave, but there's just no way. It's, it's impossible to turn conference to the Premier League. It's, it's not possible. It's I, No one would honestly, hand on heart, say that we would have done that because it's just it just doesn't make sense because if it works out a different way, you think, wow, what a great move. But something I am regretful for is not being allowed to come back on loan, which is, again, me and my agent both pushed for it and it, it, it just weren't having it. No one begrudges you for leaving, but it's the fact that we need a right back. We got Daniel Alfie, I think, didn't we? It's sort of compensation from, from Swansea on loan, but the comparison, no offense, was just it, no, it was non-existent. Like we wanted you. Why, why, why was it that Swansea then didn't let you go? Did they give a reason why they wanted to keep you? Or? Yeah, I, I spoke with Brendan himself, and he said we want to. You need to train for the rest because I went in January, went on deadline day. Mm-hmm. You need to train for the rest of this four-month season. Uh, get up to speed with us. Then we're going to America, which we got you coming, and then implementing with the first team in rotation with Angel at right back. So I was like, well, how can, I can't argue with that. Do you know what I mean? I, what, what can I say back to you? you mm. Brendan Rodgers sort of thing. So it's just one of them. But then after that, what is it like three months, two, three months after we had that conversation, he went to Liverpool. So it was just a bit, it was a lot of wasted time, to be honest. It was a bit, it was difficult. I, I didn't enjoy it, obviously. It was experiences that will stay with me forever. Everything else by the game time was was amazing but it was just a shame it didn't it didn't pan out in the way i would have liked it to 
when, when you went and signed your contract, I, I feel like I read that they were playing Chelsea or you, you signed it in the tunnel or something like Was that right? Yeah, yeah, it was deadline day. It was the 31st and we had Chelsea at home and I'm upstairs, I've signed and then I've, I've come back down in, in the dressing room and done to meet a few of the, few of the lads sort of thing and it was literally like, better check, Lampard, barely <laughs> just walking past me. It's like, wait, <laughs> yeah. weird. two days ago I was playing against Bath. <laughs> now there's Chelsea. <laughs> so it was... Yeah. Again, it's things like that, which it does not make up for it, but it it still was a great experience, you know, being back amongst, like, the premiership setup from being what I what I knew at Man City because when I was there, I was training in and out with the first team there as well and in the squad for some games at City or, you know, in your, in your suit upstairs sort of thing. So going back there and, and having similar experiences to that extent was really good. And then I was able to go on loan in like League One, League Two and get some decent football experience at, at some uh, some pretty good standards and that. So it was it was good. It was. Mark Crichton said recently that, that he felt like it was maybe too soon for you to join that your that development you know he, he was no he wasn't begrudging you the movie just felt like maybe with hindsight it was a bit too soon do you agree with that or, or do you think like you say you're never going to turn it down it's obviously a move that all of us here and every fan would have taken but do you yeah. think you know take like taking that out of it just in terms of the actual move itself do you think it was a bit too much too soon at that point in your career i think if i would have i think what if i would have gone when i did and i was able to to play and get some minutes. I, me knowing myself, I'm pretty confident that I would have been able to kick on, you know, at another level, because at the time yep. I was flying fit, I was I was young, I was healthy, I, I knew what I was doing sort of thing, but it was definitely too soon for someone like myself to go and then start playing the waiting game and sitting on the edge. And I don't think I would, I wasn't good enough to sit on the edge and stand out enough to break into a premiership first team just off the whim of it. Do you know what I mean? I, I I needed to go with the plan of the manager, having already seen me at my best with, at the Brighton uh, home and away. If uh, he would have kind of thrown us in, so at the deep end sort of thing, that's something that would have benefited me massively. But yeah, definitely going to a place like that and training and waiting and training and waiting. Nah, that's definitely, definitely too soon for that. It's a difficult one because obviously he gave you the, the chance, but did you feel a bit let down by Brendan when he did leave, or did you understand that, like like yourself, he had maybe a better offer that he couldn't turn down? No, no I don't uh, begrudge him at all. It's Liverpool again. He's his own career path in it. He's started here, he's gone here, and now it's Liverpool up. He's going to turn down managing a club like like one of the biggest clubs in the world, sort of thing. So no, it's just it's just football. It's just that's unfortunate. That's just how it pans out for for some people. Like I say when. We brought Michael Laudrup in and then he had his own players that he brought in, which kind of put a lot of us that were on the outside back another notch. But then if you look if you look at that, when, when Michael Laudrup left, the players that he favoured, then they would have suffered because now he's gone and now they're on the outside. So it's just it's just swings and roundabouts. It's, it's just football and, and sometimes it can really go in your favour and sometimes it doesn't. Did you yeah. keep in touch with any of the, any of the guys from Wrexham that, that you'd left that, that, that season? Did you kind of like keep an eye on, on how it, I'm sure you did, how it panned out and kind of the disappointment and the way it ended? Yeah, yeah, definitely at the time, yeah, we were speaking quite a lot. Like I was just begging, willing them to, to get up. Because like I say, it's just what the club deserves. It's what the fans deserve. It's what the players deserve. And when it didn't, when it 
when it, when it didn't happen, I couldn't believe it. Because even after I left, I, I still knew the team was good enough. It was, a, like I said, I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch like the games, but I'm just me. I, I don't know. I know. I just thought there's no way. I, I just honestly, I just thought there's no way that team's not going up, and that's just and I was just so shocked. But it's football, isn't it? It's one of them. Because we, because we were, we were obviously on that 98 points. Me, it really was unfair that it wasn't two up because we were so far ahead of yeah. everyone below that. You know what I mean? It was like us two, and then a big drop off. Yeah. And yet, I felt like we, when we went into that, obviously you'd gone by that point, but because we didn't get that title in the end, we sort of had to rally ourselves again and we just couldn't do it we kind of had used up everything we had to get 98 points which is ridiculous yeah in the season, in the season. that is unreal really not right is it that the fact that you can get 98 points miles ahead of third place and not go up i don't i don't i'm not i don't get why it's fourth down from league two and two mm. why can't they do yeah. three and three yeah, yeah I think the, the problem is the Football League have to vote for the change. No yeah. one's going to vote. It's like Turkey Cup for Christmas. So no team's got to increase the chance of getting relegated. But it is yeah. one of like, the, the greatest injustices like, just yeah. ever in it. Because like you, you touched on before, it, there's a lot of teams in that league that are just surviving. And yeah. it is difficult to, to, yeah. to, down, to go down from that league too down. Yeah. You've got to have a pretty bad season to be too down. Yeah. I've got loads of friends who support Oldham and as long as, long as they finish like 21st or whatever it's a good season because they've not been relegated so it's like we, we just need a team of ambition who comes up can just can just do it and the fact that so many teams get promoted and, just, and don't come straight back down it's crazy it, it does feel like such a missed opportunity You're listening to the Rob Ryan Red podcast now as always we'd love to hear your thoughts on this latest episode with Curtis you can get in touch with us on Twitter via at Rob Ryan Red and you can email us direct at robryanred at gmail.com. Right, let's get back to the episode. Other than the loan move, have you ever had any other chances in your career to come back to Wrexham, or is it just as fans dreaming? Yeah, it has been, it has been conversations, but it's, it's just never really developed, to be honest. It's, even me and Dean have spoke, we, we spoke recently, but it's just, it, it has to be needed. And obviously, if there's a player that's playing in that position who doesn't warrant to be dropped, it's like, you know, we love you to come back sort of thing but we've got this player and then we've got this player covers this player and and then his wages he's under a contract he's being paid and you can't just so it's just not always as simple as it might seem or we'd like might have hoped but yeah like, like I say there's been conversations but uh, it's just never really it's not developed so, so you're you're at Radcliffe now as we, we were saying before we came on and you're playing under Lee Fowler and obviously obviously we know we all know Lee and, and the character he is what's he like as, as a gaffer to sort of play under uh, he has his laughs he's still he's still Lee Fowler he has his laughs and uh, but he's a lot more serious now he's a lot more dialed in and he's another one he doesn't take any crap sort of thing he knows what he wants and he'll, he won't he won't take anything else except for what he wants so again he he's, he's a good guy he is he's a good manager and he knows his football that's something that he, in all his interviews that we've seen him give over the years, he's had his issues, hasn't he? But there's yeah. always been that one thing that's that he's love, which is football. And I think if he could strip everything away from him and only give him one thing, that's what he would take, which would be football, whether he's playing it, manage it, watching it. I mean, he'd be a scout, he'd be a, he'd be a kit man. If, do you know what I mean? He's, he's a football guy and... Um, I think he'll do well. I think I think he'll have a good managerial career. I think if he can get a, either a, a, a good league-winning team or even if he gets a move away from there and goes onto another team, I, th- I think he'll have a good one. I really do. But before we get on, before we let Rich get onto some some of your teammates, are you 
are you enjoying your football now? Because there must have been a period where you were going on all these loan moves where you maybe thought, I- I'm not really because I-, I feel like I remember a point where you decided to retire or you decided to step away and, and then you obviously came back. I mean, there must have been a period where you thought, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm packing this in. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, there's been times when it's been tough and, and not enjoyable at all. Like I say, even when I was at Swansea, as much as I was enjoying being there, not settling in different low moves and living in hotels or living, you get a, you get a phone call at nine, ten o'clock and you're like, oh, such and such, when it's going on. And sat with Missy's like, right, well, do you fancy driving to Stevenage in the middle of the night? And we're like, oh yeah, go on then. So it's it times like that, whereas it is good to be playing, it's, it's not easy. And then obviously after that, you kind of have to come back down to, to where sort of thing, which is another chapter mentally and you have to kind of deal with that and you have to pick yourself up and go again. And if you're not getting the right amount of minutes that you want to get or you're not winning as much as you're used to winning, like I, say, I, like I said before, I'm still hold my standards towards that Wrexham team, which is a great team. And if you do play at different levels and it's, it is miles, it might, it's miles off where you've been. And I know that's part of uh, getting older and playing at different levels. I like look at Kemi, for example, he has, he's played, proper Premier League football, proper championship football. And he's dropped right down to some levels. And it's tough because when I spoke to Kem, it's it's tough mentally. But you do it because you love it. So then times like you touched on there, when I kind of said, yeah, I think I'm going to call it a day. And I think I had a year, I think I was out, I had a year out where I didn't kick a ball, didn't do anything. And but then Saturday, you sat there, you think, oh, now what? <laughs> Saturday, Saturday what, what do you do now? I'm only, what, 27? What you do now on a Saturday when you watch, you know, you put Sky Sports News on and all your mates that you see, team sheet, scoring, yellow card, sent off. And so you just miss it. It's just like an addictive bug that you just keep chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. Yeah, like, like you said, it's such a short career in it that you almost feel like you just got to chase it. But as you said, you've spoken about your teammates, your mates in football still. There are still like, like I said, there's a few Wrexham players I want to almost ask every person we've on the podcast about. One of them that we've not mentioned yet, what was Matthias Pogba like? Oh man, I love Pogba, man. Me and him were really close. He's just funny. And it and it, and it is funny because obviously at the time, uh, me when me and Matthias was all close, I didn't know his brother, I didn't know Paul because Paul was young. And he, he used to come and watch us. He was yeah, old. I remember him. In the, I remember a celebration. Matthias went over and hugged him or something for one of the yeah, goals, I think. Yeah. Well, he, he, he was there a lot. And it's funny because when you see Paul now, they're so similar because you see things that, he's done, that he does, is, is how he walks, how he runs. And you just think, that's well, just like, Small version of CS. So he was he was funny, man. He was he just loved it. I think he just loved playing at a competitive level because you, you do see when uh, you get foreign players that come over to England and Wales and Ireland and Scotland even, they just love the way the game's played over here. They love it. And he was one where he, every day, he was just, you could tell he was just happy to be there. And he was just, he was fun. Like, you think Paul dances a lot, you should should have seen him. Oh, man, the dressing room, he's put on some music and some of the older lot were just... I remember Chris Blackburn once just ripped the speakers out of the, out of the, out of the wall. And, what is it? He's like, hey, come on. So, no, nah, he, he was... Honestly, he was great. He was quality. And on his day, he was unplayable, wasn't he, at times? I remember just watching, that's what... I guess he's one of the players that you love him because he is so frustrating. Because sometimes yeah. you, you think, like, come on, just put a bit more effort in. But then, in a, in a flick of a switch, he turns and rifles one in from 35 yards. And I just loved him. He had a bit of everything, didn't he? He was quick, he was strong, he had a good finish on him. He could. He had a, he had a trick. But, yeah, he was another one where him and Dean Saunders would 
bump heads like like crazy. But again, like you just said then, that would have been because Dean knew what he had. And when he wasn't showing it consistently, as a manager, that would drive him mad. It must have driven him mad because some days, some days it just was terrible. Like terrible. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> and another day, like you said there, you can't you can't get you can't get near him. And again, like what his brother does, he listen, when he puts the ball on his right foot and puts his left arm out, you're not getting near that ball. You can't, because he was a unit and he was quick. But he funnily enough, he was the one that was really helping me kick on in terms of my assists, because I think every day in training he was just saying, look, just cross it, keep crossing it, crossing it, crossing it, cross it early, early, I'll get goals, I'll get goals. Danny Wright, you can head it, Morel can head it. So I remember we would speak a lot in training about, you know, attacking play. So all my assists, a lot of it's down to some of his good advice. So he knew the game as well. Yeah, I think it's one of my biggest regrets is not getting a Wrexham shirt with Pogba on the back because I don't think Paul's going to be racking up to the race course in about millions at the moment. So <laughs> I think that ship sailed. But an, an, another player that, you know, will give you a lot of experience, midfield, Glenn Little, he came towards the back end of his career. What was he like? Because, you know, he's got this persona of just being the absolute joker, but he's been there at the top level. You know, he's megged. Is it Kakari Megs or well, yeah. I can't remember who he goes yeah, on about you? Yeah. But yeah, I loved him as a fan as well. He's honestly one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. I just, doesn't, he's like a, a comedy sketch. But again, like you say, what a player. I mean, he, he couldn't run. So I don't know how he did it. <laughs> I, I, me as someone that was all about like speed, I, I'd look at him and say, how can you play this game? And you can't even move. You can't. I don't. It's all up there, son. It's all in the head, son. Come on. He was... He was one where he would just sit down, have his lunch, and everyone would just turn the chair like this and just face him and just wait, wait for the stories that were going to come out. He'd be eating, he'd go, Oi, do you remember when, Bob? And then he was off. And then, honestly, the whole, the whole room, the whole team was just zoned into him. And he, he, was, he was quality. Like I said, he got promotions with everyone, didn't he? I think he said, this direction size, the only team I've not gone up with. <laughs> um... Oh yeah, no, he, he was he was unbelievable, man. What a guy. Nathaniel Knight Percival is one who's oh, gone up big, the ladder as well. Big but... fan of yeah, big fan of him at the back. I mean, there's him and I know he didn't necessarily move up loads, but Danny Wright, I thought as well, like proper national yeah. league, guarantees you goals, like proper unit and just a nice bloke from what we yeah. see. And he... both of them, they again they took the team to another level. Like we had obviously we had Kreitz at the back, he was solid. And you put him next to him, who actually came, he was a winger. Nah. Yeah, he came mm. as a left winger, I think. Yeah, he was a left winger. And I think we played, where was he at? Was it Histon or where he was yeah, at? I think it was somewhere like that as one of those yeah. smaller sort of London teams, wasn't it? And then yeah. he came in yeah. and we moved him. Yeah, well, I think we played against him and he kept winning every other and elbowing people because he was just skinny, wasn't he, and scrawny and sharp <laughs> elbows. And Dean said we're signing him and he brought him in and we, we trained and he was on the wing. And then after that, Dean said, you're not a winger anymore. That's done. Forget about that. And he's like, "What? Yeah, centre half." And he and he's lit. Honestly, he's literally like, "What? Is he, well, have you played there before?" And he's like, well, "Yeah, sometimes." But I'm a, no, no, no. You're a centre half now. And he went back there. And how? What a good player. What a good player. Headed everything. Could pass it when he had to. Was quick enough to to cover round. He had a little bit of everything. And then he, he got a good move to Bradford, wasn't it? He? he went to Bradford. Yeah. He's still there now, isn't he? So, yeah, quality player. And then uh, Danny Wright, he was just... He's probably the perfect low-league striker. Mm -hmm. I think I think most clubs in the country 
at them League One, League Two, National League would sign him in a minute because he's just another one who's so quiet off the pitch. You, I don't, I don't think he ever really spoke. He, he was <laughs> so quiet. He came in, set himself up, got his drink on board, and went out and trained, knocked a few people around, and went home. But he was so good. You, I remember crossing the ball anywhere near him, and he was getting on it. He was making the keeper work, and he could drop his shoulder, and he was quicker than he looked, which I always said, you're not that slow, even though you look it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've got, a little, I've got a little gear shift. So, yeah, he was another one. Good, good guy and a really good player. So, so, so but some quick fire then. Who was the worst dressed, do you think, from memory in that in that Wrexham Joss. team? Joss. Joss. Yeah, I mean, on every, I feel like everyone from that team is just going to say Joss, and he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not going to argue either when oh. he came on. His jeans didn't fit him. I, where did, what are they? He's like, what? What did, what did you make? What did you make of Joss's diet? Because lots was it the other week? Yeah, well, was, I asked I asked Curtis this question because Curtis asked me about the pasta with no sauce, and he just said, and Crichton asked me about the jam sandwiches in the milk. And and uh, bread in coffee as well. Yeah, yeah. Just I and mean, what? he just said that he was very particular. That's all he said in defence. Yeah, he said it was cultural, but I'm not. I'm not sure how, how cultural what? it is. Lying. It's just him. He's just a strange guy. He's just. <laughs> He said, we've got sauce. You've got sauce for the pot. No, 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 just oil's fine. Oil and salt. That's oh, <laughs> all you need. Yeah. Who, 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 was the, who was the player that you had the, probably had the most fun with on a night out? Yeah, uh, night out. Oh, that's a tough one, you know. Probably Tully. <laughs> Tully, yeah. He, I think, I can't remember who was who I spoke to about that. And I think it was Mr. Chisler Nathan said. Yeah, Chiswich, yeah. and he just said he's such a joker, you know, like. Yeah. Maybe Joe Clark. Like, Joe Clark, yeah. Joe, uh, Joe Clark, Clark yeah. to me, I thought Joe Clark, from me as a fan, Look kind of quiet and unassuming. He was, but he threw a couple of beers down him, and he's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, he's, he looks quite quiet, like just quite, you know, in the nice possible way, yeah. quite vanilla. Just yeah, yeah. but he lets loose. But no, definitely Tolly. Tolly is he's, he's a funny. He sent me a picture the other day, no top on, like this. Text me saying thirty-seven. I was like, yeah, quality. Yeah. Mate. Well, that and the Brentford goal, that's what Yeah. That's what well, the, the, so then the last one, if, if you if we could get anyone on, who do you think would be, I mean, I kind of think we maybe touched on them before, but who do you think would be really good to for us to get on and have a chat to? I mean, get Mangi on, because he's another one. He's He was just hilarious. Like, he was he was something else. He was just crazy. He was funny. He was energetic. He was angry. He was just, and what a player he was as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, like you said, that sort of touches upon it ultimately, doesn't it? Like, the most annoying thing about not getting promoted is, all the team were good enough to play at the high levels, though, weren't they? Like we wouldn't, have, but no one really would have been released because they were all good enough to be playing football league. And I think, I think if it did stay, like you say, if we did go up, we, whether it be with with Saunders or more else, to be honest, I think either or the managers would have wanted to keep the unit, the base unit of that team intact as much as possible. And I am adamant that that team would have kicked on again and got out of that league too. I'm, I am sure of it, hundred percent. Well, now we just got to hope. But uh, as a final note, you just want to say, yeah, that we that we managed to do it. Now I don't know if it'll be this season or next season with the new owners to pump money in. But yeah, you've been. Really generous with your time. I think we've got through loads of loads of cool stuff in there that I didn't actually already know from the Shizdovich chat. All the best with Lee Fowler and uh, Radcliffe. Yeah, I don't know if you. Obviously, a lot of Wrexham fans were desperate to to hear from you and and you know hear how it all panned out. Have you got anything you, you would want to say to the Wrexham fans? Did you still get messages from them and, and yeah, like that? yeah, all the time. Just just for them to know that it literally was probably the best uh, period of my career. And on top of that. The best team and club I played for, I, honestly, I think it was. It's a club that's got everything. It's got, it's got the sort of stadium. It's got the fans. It's got the history. 
And it, like you say, as soon as you can just piece together another team like that, that's really good enough to kick on. And I do hope it is, if it's like I say, if it's this season, if, if it's next season, the club deserves to go on and then go on again. It's not a it's not a conference club. It's not a League Two club. It's it's top top tier, and I'm sure it will. It's just I, mean, I know we're like we've all you as fans and buzz as players have been saying it for a while now, but it's it's got to come, and it? it's got to, it's mm. got to give it's got to give sooner or later. It's it's too big. It's too much of a good a good club to be where it's at. So no fingers crossed, and uh, no, I loved every minute of it. Really did. Yeah, we've got that missing piece now. The investment. Hopefully, we can uh, have a promotion party, delayed one with you, uh, you back in Wrexham at some point. It'd be great <laughs> to see you at a game again. I'm sure fans would love that. I'm showing up. I'm getting out one of my old shirts, and I'm just gonna throw it on. I was like, get myself yeah. a couple of pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, we really appreciate it. We, we'll hopefully try and get Mangi on then in the future because it sounds like we've got some great stories. Matthias yeah. is the one I want. Possibly. Matthias is probably gone. If I, I found my maybe so i mean anything's possible you know i, I yeah. don't know I, matthias is playing in like croatia or somewhere random now it, i feel like it's somewhere in europe that he's if we yeah. can get yeah i mean that's your route to paul pogba rich that's, that's your route to well, paul and florentin i was i did a bit with uh because i do stuff with adidas now and there was with yeah. a shoot with pogba for about about seven or eight months ago now and i was talking to him about his brother as well because when we were shaking hands, like, oh, many of them met him like, yeah, playing with your brother. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. So if I wouldn't have known this before that, I could have said, like, oh, give me his number because we're not allowed to ask Paul for Paul's number, but I would have sure. said, give us his number. Well, I guess the headline from that is Paul Pogba still knows who Rex are. That's true. There you Maybe. go. Big club, <laughs> big club, Rich. Right, we'll let you go, Curtis, because you've been very generous with your time. Uh, Rich... Anything else that we need to need to say to cap it off? No, that's it, isn't it? No. Thank you very much, as always, for, for listening. Please leave a like, subscribe if you haven't already. And, yeah, we'll be back again with, hopefully, who knows what we'll have in the future. But thanks very much for listening to this special of Rob Brown Red. We'll be back next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order muck delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.